It's our 2022 season wrap-up episode. We'll talk about what worked this year, what didn't work, classes of accretive fantasy investments, fantasy MVPs, and much, much more. The Athletics' Ian Kahn returns to the Beat the Shift podcast next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I am doing splendid, fresh off of four hours of pickleball. Oh my God, baseball season is over for me. So uh, it's on to pickleball this year. <laughs> How about you, Ruben? How are you doing? I am not into pickleball, so I don't really enjoy playing you know, mini tennis with 70-year-old women. So I'm sure you enjoy it, and I'm sure you're good at it because you do practice it a lot. And now I am making fun of it, but I heard LeBron James is also making a league out of it or something like that. So it is a serious sport now. Yeah, Le- LeBron James actually bought, I think, one of the big tennis organizations or teams or so. And uh, you will see pickleball grow. They're actually showing it quite a bit on the tennis channel on uh, TV. So uh, this is not just a craze. This is here to stay. All right. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> we are here to talk about fantasy baseball and uh, season over. In the books, hope you guys won your championships, hope you did well and took down some money, took down some pride and glory and hardware, Um, and uh, we're just going to wrap up the season, and not just wrap up the season, but think about what went right, what went wrong, and more importantly, what we can improve for next year. With us, we've had him on before, you know him from the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Ian Kahn, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ravine. Thank you, Ariel. Uh, real pleasure. This is my last show of the season. Um, I've kind of, we did our season finale two days ago, uh, which can, you can catch with Derek Van Raper and Nando Rufino, Um and did a show with James Anderson, uh, my other buddy and partner. And I feel like I'm a, I feel like a, a lucky third wheel with you guys. So thank you as always for having me on. Well, we are lucky to have you on the show. And, you know, before we get into uh, some of the fantasy talk, since it is the end of the season, um, do you have any favorite moment or momentous occasion f- involving baseball this year or fantasy baseball, just to look back at how this year was? Hmm. A momentous moment. There were so many. There were so many and so many great moments uh, individually on, on players that I enjoyed and believed in that came through, guys who I did believe in that didn't come through. Those, those happened for sure, too. Um, but I'm going to say it's the Aaron Judge chase at the end. Um, I, I love that guy so much. I was lucky enough to be at the Yankee game with my son the other night in right field. Uh, we ended up being pretty close to the field, like within eight rows in right field, uh, like right between first base and right field, but closer to right field. So only about 30 feet away from Judge. And I kind of found one spot where I cut my hands and I went up to the front and I said to everybody, I was like, as soon as you know, as soon as they start pitching, I'm going to move, and, and I just kind of sent out, sent him a message, just thanking him for what an amazing season he gave us, but more importantly, what an amazing man he is, and what a great role model he is, and how he plays the game in such a wonderful way with joy, and he's looking out for other people first. I mean, he's sort of the epitome of uh, he's my favorite baseball player I've ever watched, and that includes players that I grew up watching like Dave Winfield, Reggie Jackson, Greg Nettles. I mean, I know that's a weird one, but. You know, Mickey Rivers, who was one of my absolute favorites before you guys were born, maybe. Um, 
but he's my favorite more than Dirk Jeter. He's my favorite more than Mariano Rivera. He's my favorite. So, you know, he may be gone and I was lucky enough to send him that little, that little message. So I would say him going for 60, 61 and 62, that section, my whole family, my younger son who's not a huge baseball fan, my older son who is a huge baseball fan, my wife who is a huge baseball fan and me who is a pretty big baseball fan and big judge fan. For every at bat, wherever we were in the house, it would like a message would go out like he's up, and we would all run down and watch. And that went on for three weeks, three weeks of really just lovely time. And I'm glad he finally did it. In my opinion, uh, I, I don't, I don't like it. He's the AL uh, record holder, so that would be it for me, Aaron Judge. Unbelievable, yeah. At 11.4 WAR this year, just an incredible season. And hope for your sake that he stays with the Yankees. Uh, I mean, you never know what he'll do, but uh, maybe he'll stay with the hometown. Uh, what about you, uh, Ruvain? What was your memorable moment of the season? Speaking of players that we hope will stay with our hometown team, I mean, I really got a kick out of how Edwin Diaz's trumpet song, yeah. uh, Timmy Trumpets, that whole thing, that was just an amazing thing. It, it really it crossed, sport, it crossed sports. New York City was into it. It was on social media, like, awesome. e everywhere. It was just really, really good, and I just love the way how Timmy Trumpets jinxed the whole Mets season by saying, we'll meet you in the World Series. That, oh, was, man. that right there was the death knell. That was the black cat in front of the dugout. That was the jinxing of the season right there, but it was, at that moment, probably the height of the, of the Mets' popularity and of, of Diaz, of his, of his um, play, because he didn't really pitch that much down, down the stretch. And you know what? His season was just so great. You knew when you came when you came in when you're at the stadium. I was at a couple of games, and you get to watch him live, and you hear him, and you hear the music come on, and everyone's clapping at the same time. It it whatever you hear on TV, it's nothing like it like it in real person in, in person. It is just amazing, and that was the high point. Yeah, I was at one of those games with Timmy Trumpet were there. Uh, it was the one that Diaz did not come in, so I didn't see him do it live. He played God Bless America or something, but that was a great series uh, that he was there for. Um, it's a good song. Yeah, it's fantastic. Actually, uh, the Islanders opening night is tonight, and the the what they use now to have the players go onto the ice is now the Timmy Trumpet song. So the Islanders have even taken that song. It's, it's really invigorating. Uh, my favorite moment of the year, I got two of them, um, and it's just attending games with my family. Um, I remember like in August, I, I went with my dad and brothers. I just took the day off, and I rarely take days off from work, but to let me take my dad and brothers out to a game, and we enjoyed a nice game together. I haven't been to a game with my father in years, and it was really nice just to watch a game with him. Uh, just amazing. Well, there was one spot in the game where, and we were pretty much center, in, um, right down the middle behind home plate, upper deck, and we stood up, maybe it was the seventh inning, and we were all standing, and w the four of us got on the on the diamond vision, on, on the, the big screen, just the four of us. And we're like, oh, my God, and we're, we're waving our hands pretty much with a straight-on shot. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, and the other moment I had is uh, earlier in May, I th I, uh, Memorial Day, I took my family to the game against the Nationals. It was the game that like Nick, Nick Plummer had an amazing week, and he had a home run, and he was just on fire. And the Mets scored like 10 runs in the first three innings. But somewhere in the middle of the game, and my son, who's uh, a baseball fan, he's, he's wearing a Pete Alonzo jersey that we bought for him in Cooperstown. And Pete Alonzo comes up and hits a ball down the line, one bounce, and he grabs it, and he gets a Pete Alonzo foul ball. That made his night. It made his week. 
that was just an unbelievable thing to see my, my son smile with a baseball from Pete Alonso. And so I, I, I just won't forget that memory. So his family, right? And Edwin Diaz. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. It is. Good stuff. All right, well, let's get into some of the fantasy talk here. Before we talk about uh, some of the things that went right, didn't go right, and strategy, uh, I do want to cover fantasy MVPs, which actually might might play into some of the strategy as we talk about it. But uh, let's go around the room and talk about who we think the fantasy MVP is, hitters versus pitchers, etc. So, Ian, why don't we start with you, and who do you think, I mean, it's pretty obvious this year, who is the hitter who was drafted in every league, who was the fantasy MVP player, a player who was the fantasy MVP of the season was? The hitter. I mean, the answer is Aaron Judge. Uh, so he just is. It's, he's by far the MVP. He's a backbone of winning teams. Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a, it was lucky if you got him, you know, or smart if you got him. But if he fell to you in a draft, you did good. And if you paid for him in the auction, you did good. He's the uh, fantasy MVP. 70. He was worth $70 in OBP league this year. 70. Crazy. Worth $57 in a batting average league. Uh, it, just crazy. And, the, I mean, the next highest is like, you know. The, 43. Yeah, the 42. next highest was a $40 um, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, but crazy, the, the excess value. Yeah, he definitely is the uh, MVP. Um, Ruvain, anybody else to worth mentioning as a, a hitter MVP for the year? Yeah, I think for a lot of fantasy teams, this guy was their MVP because he, he not that he came out of nowhere, but he on March 3rd of this year, he was going pick 231, which was in the 15th round, and in a 5x5, five five, he was ended up being ranked number 57. I'm talking about Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe, if you had him, he was one of the biggest sleepers for this year. 27 homers, 7-6 RBIs, two stolen bases, a 302 average, and the six most hits in baseball at 179. If you got him that late at pick 231 in the 15th round, he probably helped you win your championship for your league because you're not going to get someone as good as that that late. Traded for him. Traded for him in, a, in the dynasty in the dynasty league Devils Rejects right before the season. Traded Justin Turner straight up for him in the OBP dynasty. Um, actually, I think I gave a we gave a pick too, um, but yes, he was excellent, just excellent, so good, good pick. I have another guy too. I want to add if Ariel, if you don't say it. Yeah, no, Nate Lowe is definitely one of, one of the guys. Uh, he was cost four dollars in auction equivalent for fifteen team leagues. He's worth twenty four dollars, which is a higher return on investment than Aaron Judge. I mean, Aaron Judge obviously was the MVP, and you know he's getting you. T- $30 of profit with a $25 pick, but in the terms of just pure uh, profit to to uh, cost, Nate Lowe is incredible at that value. But even better, Julio Rodriguez. That's my guy. There you go. I mean, he also got you the steals. $4 ADP worth almost $30. Uh, in that category also, Adelise Garcia, $6 ADP yes. worth 29 Adelise. I do want to mention a few guys with high return on investments that you may not think about because they don't have the $40 return value, but in terms of bang per dollar pick, Brandon Nimmo, he cost just over a dollar and returned 18. Uh, very no stolen bases. Is that OBP or is that average? This is batting average I'm talking about in NFBC style 15 team league. $18? $18. Um, he didn't steal any bases, Ariel. He did steal zero. a few. It was a zero? One. No more than one. 
Um, I'm not sure. Quickly looking it up, he did he did steal uh, three bases, but even without that, I mean he he had 102 runs, 102 runs, 16 RBIs, uh, 274 batting average. He was it was an $18 value, so he's not oh my god a $30 player, but he only cost you a dollar. He's a, a last round pick. Another guy. Wait, who, wait, 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 wait. I gotta say something about that though. Mm-hmm. Smells a lot to me like Alex Verdugo's, uh, like Alex Verdugo smelled last year, doesn't he? Yeah, it's very similar it's, type. It's a very similar. It's a similar profile. Yes, that's but right. Verdugo and Verdugo, but Verdugo struggled this year. And if you paid eighteen for him, which he paid, he paid off eighteen last year, right? In twenty twenty one, he gave you, I want to say eighteen dollars, just about that, right? And this year, what did he give you? Maybe eleven, nine. And if you were counting on him for stuff, he didn't deliver it. Well, when you buy somebody at ten, thirteen dollars, the return on investment is going to be lower. But when you buy somebody for a dollar and you get that profile, Man, I'm just saying, where's Nimmo going? What I'm, what I'm, what I'm noting is that profile. I don't know how much it grows from there. So if Nimmo gave you eighteen dollars this year, maybe it does. I, I hope it does. I own him in that same dynasty league. But if he gave you eighteen dollars this year as a one dollar player, it's great. It's amazing. But what is this price going into next year? I don't is think it, it's going it, to rise that much. And I'll give you oh, another. It's going to rise more than one. It'll get I mean, what, rise what more. It sure. I mean, what do you think about this next guy? I'm going to talk about Luis Arias. He was a dollar cost, worth seventeen dollars, and almost a batting average champ. Seventeen dollars. That's right. And uh, uh, nobody realizes it. But uh, I mean, when you when you pick him, you, you people think batting average. Ah, uh, you really can't predict that. Yeah, power. Power. He did, and uh, along with it, have a Jeff McNeil. He was worth eighteen dollars. Only cost you two. Did, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at Luis Luis Arias for five dollars here at RotoWire. Earned auction value. Now this is I, I can adjust it from OBP to average. I can do that and see how that shifts things. But I'm looking at five dollars, and I owned him, Luis Arias, and sat him. I Rob Murchak and I owned him in GDD. In fact, I think we traded we traded Whitlock for him to Alex Cushing, and he he sat quite a bit. So, I, I, where's that seventeen dollars coming from? This what comes the from the Fangraphs auction calculator with NFBC settings. But what were what were the numbers, Ariel? What were the numbers for for which player? For Luis Arias. Luis Arias. Uh, he sorry. hit. He hit. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. I apologize. You were looking up. Wait, you were looking sorry. up Luis. Arias? I was looking up. Yes. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. You're totally right. Luis, Luis Arias is definitely that player. No, no, yeah. no. I apologize. No, no. My bad. Okay. My bad. I thought you were talking. It just didn't. I was like, wait. Luis Arias was eighteen dollars, and what? How did that? How did no? Because he was like four or five dollars. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, my apology. My bad. He was three. Luis Arias is three dollars. That's why it just didn't make sense. No, 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 no. But again, you know, we're, we're talking about these undervalued players that really cost next to nothing that earn mid teens or high teens value. And uh, you know, I mean, you can count if if you you know the ATC projections had Arias top four batting average player, and boom, that's really where he went. You were right. You were right on that. I interrupt again. Sorry. Ruvain, do you mind if I'm just hitting Ariel with a couple of questions here real quick? Go ahead. Pepper him all you want. I'm peppering away <laughs> like we're playing Pepper. Stephen Kwan. At the beginning of the season, you called Stephen Kwan a poor man's Luis Arias. I'm looking at Stephen Kwan, and I'm thinking, and I watched him play the other night, and he had a home run in the Yankee Stadium. And, but he was better than you thought, isn't he? Stephen Kwan was absolutely better than we thought. Uh, he earned 
pretty much the same as he pretty much was Luis Arias. $20. He was obviously undrafted. Cost you a lot of fab early on, potentially. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you're right. right. He, he he came through. Uh, I was, I don't know if I was wrong about him, but I was certainly lower on him than I should have been. And who do you have next year? Ruvain, I'm going to ask you. Ruvain, who do you have? Do you have Nimmo or Quan next year? I have Nimmo only because he has a longer track record of doing it. And plus, if he's coming back to the Mets, the Mets are going to have a good lineup. If he's going to another team, he's going to go to a good team probably. And he, if he bats leadoff like he is, he's an on-base machine. I mean, look at MLB Network ranked him very high the last couple of years, and he wasn't really even as good as he was this year. He had a career year in a contract season. So I, I think he's still – I still get him over Stephen Kwan. But if you can get Stephen Kwan at a discount, I'm going Stephen Kwan. Yeah, yeah. Ariel, what do you think? I think the answer depends on what his cost next year, but in terms of player, they're in the same realm. I mean, we're talking yeah, $12 about twelve dollar players. You have either one; they're both twelve dollars in the auction. You can have the one you want. Who are you? Who are you grabbing? The answer is um, I'm indifferent. If if I think that they're roughly the same, Quan steals more, so maybe yes. uh, maybe him for that reason. But uh, he steals it, a lot more. But value wise, it's close. Yeah, it's pretty close. Value is interesting. It's an interesting little grouping. Yeah, just to mention a few more. Uh, Andres Jimenez obviously was a three dollar ADP worth worth twenty two dollars. Just crazy value. Uh, I just want to mention two catchers that I think were um, not MVPs, but uh, lesser uh, value that uh, really contributed. Catchers Eric Hase. He was returned eight dollars. Pretty much a back end uh, second catcher. And Travis Darno three dollar cost in a 15-team league, and he returned $16 of value. Uh, I was high on both of them going into the season and uh, had, I think, one of them in almost every single league. So uh, there you go. Um, let's move on to undrafted hitters. Uh, we mentioned Quan as one potential one, but who are the undrafted hitter MVPs of the league? Go, go to Ruvain, please. I need a second. All right, Ruvain, go ahead. Okay, the player that stood out for me and the reason why I know is because he was on the Mets last year, so I did follow him a little bit, and he got traded. Brandon Drury, from January 1st to April 1st, his ADP was 738, or basically the 50th round in a draft and hold scenario. He batted 263, 28 homers, 87 RBIs, two stolen bases, 87 runs, and eligible everywhere except for shortstop, pitcher, and catcher. So if you had a hole in your team and you picked him up very early, he could have filled in anywhere, and he would have done exceptionally well, and he was basically free. Ian? Michael Harris, Jr., was the guy for me that's the guy he was amazing and he was a prospect right who came up and dominated dominated pretty much as a 21 year old changed that lineup changed that team um michael harris that's my guy yep those are the top two in terms of profitability here uh christian walker uh was pretty much a late round pick in a 15-team league, undrafted in 12-team leagues, returned $21. Um, he was the guy. A couple of the guys lower below. Taylor Ward earned a nice pretty penny. Thyra Estrada. How about catcher William Contreras? Uh, $14 value. And Nico Horner. Uh, I picked him up in a lot of Nico. leagues. Nico. Nico. Nico Horner. Uh, Power-speed combo. Just helped you all around in every category. Uh, excellent, excellent pickup. Um, and he was hurt for some of the year also, and he still was one of the best undrafted players. Moving on to starting pitchers. Who was the starting pitcher MVP of the year, Ruben? 
Well, again, I'm going by the fact of that they're going to help your team win your league. So the MVP, I mean, you can say Sandy Alcantara. He's been just amazing pitching so many innings and, and compiling. He's just a compiler, a great compiler and one of the top pitchers in baseball. But I'm going to go with Zach Gallant. He was going between 155 and 160, which is about, you know, in that range uh, preseason. But he ended up in a 5x5, five 34th five, overall, the 10th ranked starting pitcher. If you'd have drafted number 11 pitcher preseason, you would be you would have been taking Julio Urias. So if you're getting Zach Gallen between pick 155 and 160 or in that range, and he ends up being a top 10 pitcher, he is your MVP for your team, and he helps you win your league. Ian? Ugh, so many good ones here. So many good ones. Um, all right, I'm gonna say Shane McClanahan. And he was, I've got guys who are later who were also great, but McClanahan was so dominant this year. I mean, but so was Dylan Cease, and they were kind of in the same area. Two guys that I was not remotely interested in. Other guys, Framber Valdez, like, gosh, Doggett, he was amazing. Tristan McKenzie, but if I have to pick one, I'll tell you, for me, it was you, Darvish. You, Darvish, was on every one of my, not everyone, but uh, many of my better teams this year. And he was a sort of a surprise. But but McClanahan was better, and he was taken uh, around the same area. I'm going to go Shane McClanahan. That's what I'm going to go with. Eno Saris dominated the league with Shane McClanahan and Dylan Cease in AL Labor. Dominated with those two guys. I'm uh, uh, Darvish. I was. Uh, I, I'll take an L on him. Uh, I didn't think he would. Uh, he would do a great season. And uh, I'll take another L on this guy, uh, Justin Verlander. Um, he was drafted. I thought ridiculously high coming back off of surgery. Oh, yeah. Older. You think the, the the innings would break down, but he returned thirty seven dollars worth of value. Uh, just absolutely. And how much was he going in the auctions at that point? Twenty-one dollars, which was kind of high. And I'm like, wow. It was the it's risk? High. The risk of that to me was too great to do. I'll take the L on it. I, I, you know what? If if you told me a similar pitcher, would you draft him again next year? I would still say no because I think the risk factor is way too high. But obviously, he worked out. Um, and, he, and he earns, you know, $16 surplus value being 37. Uh, the two guys actually I have as the, the MVPs are Nestor Cortez, cost you $2. Oh, okay. But he was a, he was a reserve guy in GDD. I, we got him in the reserves, in the fourth round of the reserves. Well, then uh, GDD didn't do a great, <laughs> a really great job there as he earned $21. Uh, and Tony Gonsolin, uh, high skills. I always believed in Gonsolin. I was high on him every year, but this year only went for two dollars, and he returned twenty four. So, those are the top guys. I like Gallon. Can I say I really like the Gallon pick there? Yes. I really like that Gallon pick. I think that's Gallon. Just... Gallon is the third highest surplus uh, gain of any pitcher this year. Yeah, it was really surprising. It was not. Expensive. What about undrafted starting pitchers or undra- undrafted any undrafted undrafted starting pitchers or pitchers who turned into that? I got this one. Is it Spencer Strider, Ian? It is Spencer Strider. Not only is it Spencer Strider, but I traded for Spencer Strider today with Ron Chandler, Steve Gardner, and I. I traded Francisco Alvarez and Shane Baz and uh, Asturi Ruiz for Spencer Strider today. And I'm so dang happy because we get him for 10 years. And I love, love, love Spencer Strider. The best. The best. My favorite pitcher to watch. Ruvain, what about you? 
well, I, I can't bear to watch him because he plays the Mets and he played the Mets Sorry. 19 times. That's why but... Chandler traded him, by the way, because he, he's a huge Mets fan. And he took Francisco Alvarez. Is that what he took? That's what. Hey, man, that's what he wanted. That's what he. Come on now. And we had we still have Rutschman, so we were able to make that move. Well, I'm going to go with a, another Dodger pitcher, Tyler Anderson. Preseason ADP 601. He threw 178 innings, only 138 strikeouts, but because he played for the Dodgers, 15 wins, a 2.57 ERA, a whip of one. For 178 innings, that stabilizes your team. It stabilizes your ERA. It stabilizes your whip. This is a great pick. If you got him early, you got on the bandwagon early. You got him. You got an ace. You basically got your ace, and he was free. Can I argue that? He's not an ace. You can't throw if, 138 strikeouts in 174 innings or whatever it was and be considered an ace. I don't think. You're giving if, up too if, much on that. Okay, but the reason it's why people would spend money for him, the reason why people spend money for him is because they probably had Kershaw or they had someone they paid a lot of money for and he was going to be their replacement I mean, value. I get it. Get him. I, I get what you're saying. I just can't, you can't call him. He saved their season. He's a he three. He saved people's seasons. Okay, but still he's a three. Two? Is he a two? I mean, what is he going for next year in the auction? What is Tyler Anderson going for next year in the auction? I'm not sure I would buy him next year, but you uh, have to, yeah, I'm you have to much... buy him. No, no, no. no I, right. I, I, I mean, buy, buy I mean, him. buy him relative to where he's going to go. You know? Right, but how much? You know, I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go too high I, because he doesn't how? have the strikeouts. I think yeah, but, he's going to go too high. But what's and the he's number? Not worth it. What is the number? How high? I mean, how high does he go? 15, 18, is he going to 18? I, 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 I can't see myself paying more than 12 or 13 for him. Right, Only okay. because he doesn't, get, he doesn't give you the strikeouts. But I can see him going higher than All that. Right. But if you got him this year at pick 601 or off awesome. the waiver wire, yeah. it's, right. it's, you know, it's... But he's not an ace. It's, but he's not an ace. No, well, no, he's, he's not an ace. Okay, so I misspoke. He's not an ace, but he saved your team if you had an injury yes. to a starting pitcher. Well if you yes. had, if you and he was a great Brom or Kershaw, Kershaw or something like that. He was he was a, the best fill-in possible. And, and I'll give you another name that I think is better than Anderson, at least for next year, Kyle Wright. He has the Oof. strikeouts. Uh, same type of innings, 180, 180 innings is quite a bit. 174 strikeouts, 1.16 whips. He basically cut his walks in half. And he grew his strikeouts tremendously. Uh, you will see a little bit of an ERA pushback next year. His uh, strand strand rate was a little bit lucky, but everything else looks smooth. So he's probably going to be closer to a mid threes ERA, but WHIP is going to be really, really manageable. And a good team and a really good good team. A lot of wins. Twenty one wins. Twenty one wins this year. He pitches a lot of innings. Goes deep into games, um, and uh, he's. You know, just something some really, really, really uh, uh, valuable. And somebody I think could be a value. I mean, Max Freed is a much lower strikeout than him, a stroke strikeout rate. Uh, I'm not saying I trust him more than Max Freed, but right showing some very decent value. But, but can, I, can I say something, though, please? This is going to be a, a theme of mine through the entire show. Mm-hmm. Kyle Wright was selected with the number five pick in the draft. I don't remember what the year was, 2017, 2018. Playing dynasty baseball, if you're playing, if, if you're in, if you're in a redraft league, having to understand the kids who are coming gives you such a huge advantage in redraft, because you caught rights on your on your radar from 2018, so that when he throws up a 5.46 ERA last year, you have an opinion about it, so that when he starts to show, because he showed it was crazy. He, if I remember correctly, it was in April he came up, like came up for a start like mid-April. On a Monday, 
think it was on a Monday, and pitched like lights out, seven innings, no runs, nine strikeouts. You can you can call me out on that if I'm wrong. But then he came back on Sunday and he did it again against a good team. If I remember, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the Pirates. Who knows? Man, it's like you guys say, who's playing the Pirates this week? Um, see, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of the show. Um, <laughs> Knowing that Kyle Wright has that pedigree puts you in position that when you come to the NFBC or you come to your own draft that matters so much to so many people, you know these players. And so I, I highly recommend people, um, you know, you don't have to dive into a dynasty league right away, but start to start to look at the prospects. Top 100, that's all you really got to look at. And then look at the draft and just get these names in your head. Because those names that are at the top of that draft are going to be the names that are going to be coming up in June one year. And some of them are going to be post-hype guys, like Kyle Wright. But if you know that he's a post-hype guy, and not just some random guy who the Braves are going to give a start to, you have a huge advantage. And you're leaving money on the table if you don't. Yeah, no no doubt. It's definitely worth knowing. And that is one of my holes in fantasy baseball is I don't know the prospects all that well. Um, As I tell the listeners, you know, in general— uh, rookie prospects are not a great investment. However, if you do know pedigree and you do have the information, you can pick out some of the cream of the crop. And I was talking to Ian earlier today, actually, off the air, that uh, projections themselves don't have as accurate uh, uh, a history on prospects, right? There's less information that's more credible. So to the st- so what extent— you have to go is, go, What you have to go by is the scouts, right? And the, the, the guys like Corbin Carroll, right, who— I'll talk about when we talk about pickup hitters. He's a guy that I've been following since he was the 16th pick. I know that one for a fact. He was the 16th pick of the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2019. Um, and then struggled with some injury, then was at the, uh, the uh, what do they call that, when during 2020, like the place where everyone played, which I still think is why we're seeing so many kids come up now because they're really developing them at that site that was called the alternate site. I think the alternate site should be a regular part of baseball. I don't think kids should just be out in Tennessee playing baseball. I think that they should be training at that age. And Corbin Carroll did do that. And if you're following his career and you know that he had a shoulder injury in 2021 where he might have gotten a cup of coffee, then you were ready for him coming into 2022 when he was going to come up. And you could get in three weeks before he came up because you know he's coming. You can't know that information. And then a guy like Corbin Carroll, maybe he wasn't everything this year, but Gunnar Henderson sure was. Gunnar Henderson helped a lot. To the teams that picked him up, you know. So anyway, I just think no it's a, it's it's an important it's an important under for, for people who are like I do all this work, I do all this work. Make sure you're doing that work too. It's really important. Yeah. Just to uh, uh, continue with uh, um, the MVPs quickly on on relief pitchers. Um, to me, it's no doubt it's Ryan Helsley who turned twenty dollars. Uh, really was a waiver pickup almost. In fact, um, I take a look at, at the auction calculator. The top four or five. Uh, highest values uh, com- as compared to their auction price, all were pickups on the waiver wire. Helsley, Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard, that was going to be mine. Yeah, Evan Phillips. Yep, that was going to be mine. Evan Phillips returned $12. Ross Stripling returned 11 uh, although he, that he, 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 he started, doesn't count, he started, sorry. Uh, Paul Seawold returned $12 of value really like a dollar at most uh in was wasn't picked up in half the leagues uh these guys some of the value comes right from the waiver wire in relief pitchers maybe a thought as to what we should do next year uh it definitely factors in that this is true um uh your thoughts on who the mvp of uh other, other i mean helsley is the top and anybody else to mention 
Well, uh, Bard for sure. I mean, Bard would have been would have definitely been my choice. And I'm gonna give you credit. You know, we talk about things that you missed. One of the things you got dead right was you got to make sure that you get one of the top guys if you're gonna be serious at this game this year. And it was partially because of the the strike, and we didn't know. You know, like, there was nothing settled, so there was only like nine, ten guys that you could believe in, and even then you could get screwed. Um, but I remember there was a lot of talk about do we just let all the closers come off the wire and you were like, no, don't do that. Like you got to get one and then you can play for the other one or the other two or the other three. And I really played by that. I had you in my head that whole time. And I, I, I think you were very much right. You were very right about that. Yeah. I mean, even guys at the bottom, um, who, you know, who had the job at the time, just, just take them. You never know when you're all the way down at the end of the draft and you're taking these very possible picks it doesn't cost you much to get it. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we could talk about it now, but, you know, in terms of the, the correct saves closer strategy, you know, if you want to take a look at where the value was this year, there was really two sections of, of where the value was. One is don't pay for anybody, and these the guys who I just mentioned right off the wire, and there was others. But the real best value um, were the closers Classe, Diaz, Presley, Romano, that whole section returned. Um, they didn't really gain in value, but again, people, since you overpaid for closers everywhere, um, you know, it, it's the it's the less the least amount of overpay was in that section. So if you bid on Hendricks, if you bid on on Hater, those were losers in my opinion. But numbers four through eight, so we're talking about eighteen to twenty two dollar closers uh, auction equivalent. Those were really the stuff that came out. The real strategy, I think, for closers this year was get one of those top at pay about $20, and whoever is the cheapest at that level. I mean, I had Diaz in a league. I had Presley in a league. Um, I don't think I had Romano, but I think, Ruven, you had Romano. I had had Romano in a couple leagues. Yeah, or go to some of the bottom. I mean, I had Bednar in some leagues. That was okay. I had Taylor Rogers in some. They gave me a little bit of a season. But really, that range, if you didn't get that, you were really a zero in closers and question is whether it goes is that true going into 2023 i kind of think it is i think that the top top are going to be an overpay because they're going to force you to pay second third crazy round value for it but if you wait a little bit longer and you get the number six seven even though you think it's a little bit expensive those actually hold more value and you kind of need them as saves are dwindling do you disagree with that uh ruvain go to you first I do disagree with that. I, I don't think it's going to be the same as this as this past year because of the lockout. We're going we're gonna to have – everyone's going to know what job they have. The jobs are going to be more secure. The question is, are more teams going to go to committee? Because look at Seattle. You mentioned Paul Seawald. The guy I wanted to mention was Rafael Montero. His ADP was in the 600s. He ended up with 14 saves, 5 wins, a 2-3-7 ERA, a 102 whip, 70 strikeouts, and 68 innings. And – He's he's great value. He he's was just a great value off the waiver wire, and you didn't have to pay anything for him. Yeah, it was so tough if, to if start him though, Ruben. It was tough to start him. I had him in one league, and like you'd start him, you'd be like, all right, let's give it a go. Like when when Presley was hurt, so it's tough because then he would get get him in a bunch for a week, you know, and he would catch. And, and how hard and how say, hard was it to start? How hard was it to start Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers when they were crashing this year? Also, yeah, yeah, the I'm same. Sure. You, you you can go you can go both ways with that. So I understand yeah. that, but. 
these the middle relievers gave you a lot of value this year, and I think you don't have to overpay. I was a, I was I was very much against overpaying for the pitchers in the beginning mm-hmm. of this, in the draft season. I did not want to do it. I didn't think it was worth the value, and I thought middle, 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 and just take some darts at the end. The problem is a lot of times the darts that we picked, both me and Ariel, they just didn't hit, so it screwed us up, and we didn't have and we ended up not finishing well because we didn't have the number of saves we needed, but and we didn't play the waiver wire correctly. But if we can fix those two issues and and hit those darts then you can you can make up for not paying the big bucks for the top closers yeah again i don't think we should be paying second third round value but getting a middle to late number one closer is really at the end of the third you're not taking him diaz no i'm not really no i think there's other value more important and you're gonna lose (laughs) you're gonna lose value on the edwin diaz in the third round there are Mm -hmm. other more important things to get but he'll I get, would he'll, take he'll get you he'll get you more strikeouts than Tyler Anderson if you pick him. Nah. I mean, right. how 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 can nah, you not? Right. But I would I take mean, I would take a sixth round fifth sixth round closer who I think is probably a little bit overpriced if they're the number in the eight, main seven, event. Mershak and I took um, uh, Taylor Rogers and Gregory Soto, which actually worked out for us quite nicely for the time that Rogers before Rogers literally we got him out right when he was starting to blow up, so it didn't hurt us, and then. They traded him and we dumped him. Uh, but that first half of the season, I think he has like 24, 25 saves. Or maybe not that many, maybe 20, 21. But gave us a bunch of saves. And yeah. Soto was, you know, Soto was just Soto. I mean, it's he is what he is. And uh, he got us he got us saves. But there it is. That's, that's, that's closers for now. Closers for now. It'll change. It'll change. But I agree with Ruvain that it's going to be different this year. Okay. Well, it's uh, good that we're discussing it. Um, I do have a question. I asked this on the show last year to you, Ian. Here's a question, and here is your response. And I'm interested to see. Are if you, you actually going to play my response from last year? Of course. Um, oh it, I, right. I, I thought it was a good response, and I agreed with it on the show <laughs> last year. I'm just wondering if we have a different take this year. I think it'll be interesting. Take a look. Oh boy. Which is more true? A and of you course, the again, same, these right? are both true. But which is more important? A would you say that leagues are won on draft day? Or mm-hmm. would you say, B, leagues are won with the in-season moves and pickups? Okay, so that's that's the question. It, we're asking which is more important, and of course they're both important, draft day or in-season. And your answer, Ian, was? Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. It depends on the format. If it's a 15-team league or higher, it's 100% draft day. Because without drafting well, you're constantly fighting, Okay. But if it's a 12-team league, like the the Tout Wars head-to-head, the draft is less important because there's much more value to be had on the waiver wire. And you can find the hot hand and develop the hot hand, right? Someone like Cedric Mullins was not drafted in a 12-team league. He is going to be drafted in a 15-team league. Um, And so I would argue, along with Ruvain, that what happens on draft day is mostly determinative of what you're going to see over the course of the season. I mean, it's, it's sort of obvious at this point. All right, so you were basically saying that, uh, obviously both are both are important and the league size matters, but I think you were a little bit more towards draft is more important uh, that because it sets you up and than the in-season play. Do you have a different feeling this year in general? Nope. <laughs> I do not. I, I think that the... I think they're both really important. I think in a 12-team head-to-head league, mixed 12-team, the draft is not as important. I mean, it's it's. I think the draft is still most important. I think the choices you make on draft day, I think the preparation that you put in before draft day, I know everyone's thinking about football. I'm not. I'm just thinking about baseball. But the preparation before the draft is 
so important. My goodness. It will determine your season. You can fix things. You can try. I'm a big trade fan. I like to trade. But if you don't do well in the draft, it's tough. It's really tough. You, you've got to draft well. You have to you have to come out with value. Sorry, I say I did a little Ariel there. I wasn't going, but there you go. Um, you got to find value. You have to find the value there. And uh, zig when there's agon and grab guys because otherwise you're chasing. You're chasing home. I mean, a lot of people talk about chasing home runs. You know, don't. Not if you get them in the draft. Get them in the draft. Get your speed in the draft. Get your saves in the draft. Pitching, I'll tell you one thing. I trust myself personally on pitching quite a bit to find it. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, find the Spencer Strider, find the Reed Detmers, find, and, and this is in 15 team leagues, find the Hunter Greens. You know, I like that. I like trading for pitching a lot. But the draft, you got to get your hitting and you got to get your speed and you got to get your power and you got to get, you got to get that stuff because you can't find it on the wire. You cannot find, you can find that bats on the wire and every once in a while you can run into somebody, but largely you can find pitching on the wire. Pitching, pitching makes itself clear. So for me, it's the draft still. Ariel? Well, uh, moving, I wanted to see you first. Do, do you, you, you were, you were agreeing with that also um, last year. Do you still agree with that, Ruben? Yeah, I still agree with that. You have to get your base. And once you have your base, then you can start playing around. But I also want to add to it a little bit that if you're going to plan so much for the draft, why don't you plan also for your in-season stuff and have a strategy and actually stick to it? Because a lot of times people go crazy in the first couple of weeks, for a couple of months. They lose, they, they blow all their fab right away. And then they they have nothing left. And, they, and, they end, and they're still chasing what they were chasing back in April, Who's which is what you that? shouldn't be doing. So if you can have a plan and and draft properly and draft to your strengths then you can always work on the problems and everything else during the course of the season so i still think the draft is still more important you get your base and then you can keep track of everything and have a plan for in-season pickups and stick to it that's the hardest thing it's like a diet it's very it's, it's a great idea but people just don't stick to it and that's the problem if you can <laughs> stick to it then you're good to go Okay, can I say something, Ariel? I'm jumping in again. Sorry, it's sure. under the radar in me. <laughs> let me just say, let me just say, you can't spend all your fab like that. So, like the people who are doing that, you won't win that way. You just won't. I don't believe in. I remember when George Kirby came out and people were spending five hundred dollars. George Kirby was great this year. I, I had drafted him in AL Labor. He was a big part of how I ended up, how I did second in second place there. But when he came out and it was like $500, can't do that. You cannot spend all your fab and then be hamstrung the rest of the season. You just can't. You have to You have to be disciplined about it or, or you're going to run out of steam. You need the cavalry. <laughs> and fab is literally the cavalry. So try not to spend it until you need it. Really. Like really be focused on that. I, I, I think it's so very important. So I don't disagree with both of you on on which is more important. I think that you're correct, and the league size matters. The 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 the, the sh more shallow the league size, the more the in season matters because you know it's not a run about getting early uh, um, uh, plate appearances and at bats and stuff like that. However, I will say, from last year to this year, I do think that it has shifted a little bit more towards the in season. I do think that getting the in season right and spending the time on it matters more today than it did last year and three years ago. Um, looking at, you know, projections and, and looking at uh, what how ADP has performed and everything year to year, I will tell you that more of the value that you acquire 
comes less from the draft and more from the waiver wire the last couple of years. Like there's a downward slope. Mm. There's more value hemorrhaged from the draft as we go on. Uh, assets are more fungible. Players are more fungible in terms of their talent. There's also way more injuries. And because of that, it's gone that way. And I will say there's a distinction. You were alluding to it, um, Ian, the, especially the pitching. Pitching has become much more fungible that the draft matters less now than it did a few years ago. Uh, again, I still think it matters most, but it's heading that way. And my question to you, which I think is a good thought question, is being that it's mattering a little bit less, um, do you think that we should be placing more of a focus, especially early on in early rounds of drafts, top eight rounds or so, on drafting lower-risk players? Like, the heck with Byron Buxton anymore. The heck with Mondesi who gets hurt. Why even throw that risk? Because if more of the value comes from outside of the draft, don't we want as sure of a base as we can? So, sure, we don't have that thrill of Byron Buxton going 30-30 and, oh, my God, uh, but he could get hurt. Let's just avoid the risk. Just get players who hold value and... This way, when we focus more on the in-season, we just add to the base of value that we've accumulated. Do you think that's true, and we should really be focusing on as players on lower risk, Ian? Uh, yes, I think I do. I think I do agree with that. I think that there's uh, wisdom with that. Yes. Ruben? I 100% agree, and that's why a lot of our teams, me and Aro, they didn't work this year because we had too much risk to start the season off. We had DeGrom in a ton of leagues, which strapped us because some leagues we didn't pay that much, some leagues we did. You know, having that and having your, a bench spot taken up by a guy who's not going to pitch until August, which it happened to be, it, it's it's not worth it. it it's, it's not worth the value of losing those months when you could have had a more profitable player during those course of months because you're not going to make up the money. You're not going to make up that profit. Looking back, I can't believe how DeGrum ended up on so many of our leagues. Maybe because we're Mets fans, but that's yes. just some, it's so not like us to say, just, you know, we're the get rid of risk people. All of a sudden, like, oh, let's take DeGrum. Now, granted, we did take him before he was injured when he was pitching, actually pitching in spring training, and he was throwing and he looked like himself. Then is when we picked him. But I just, that's one of the things that I just didn't listen to my own advice on DeGrum uh, because he was going for. Seventeen dollars? Wow, the guy could be thirty dollars. All we could do is we need a half a season and we win. I mean, that was just not a person that we. Or, that that's a lesson that we should be listening to our own advice on on Degrom like that. I can't believe we exactly. We, didn't. we should be. We should have spent that seventeen, eighteen, or nineteen dollars on a Verlander instead of Degrom. Ah, well, Verlander also had risk. Um, I do want to say this though. Um. I, and I've argued this for the last couple of years. Why does Freddie Freeman always go in the back end of first round uh, of the first round, and sometimes even the second round? The guy returns the same type of value every single year. He helps in so many categories. Batting average is a hard one to find, and he's not a zero in stolen bases. Throws ten More than a year. That, he's, he's a value in stolen bases. Now, uh, this year he was a tremendous value, but at the very worst, he throws eight, nine stolen bases. Why isn't he? 
more uh, because of the low risk. Why is shouldn't he be uh, valued much higher? Like, w- why is he not going number number seven or number six? He's returning more value than any random person in the first round, right? Why are we picking a pitcher? Why are we picking any pitcher? Garrett Cole over him. We should be pitching Freddie Freeman. Get that base. No? Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I had him in Towers. It's how I was lucky enough to come out on top with Machado and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. That was my base. Yeah. And that's all base. And my point here is that I think that risk, the low risk, has to be factored in, and that's got to bump up the value that you're willing to pay for Freddie Freeman. And he should be pushed up in ranks because of the low risk, especially since we see how this is all playing out, that waiver wire is more important. Pick pick Freddie Freeman. Everyone will say why. I, I mean, that's the guy. And it's, and it's harder to do in drafts because you're in a certain spot. Obviously, if it gets to the 14th spot and you have him, sure, you pick him. But in an auction, it should be much easier to pick Freddie Freeman. Like, you should be wanting him in everything. The question should not be why, but why not? There's no reason not to. Which is why I still I think, and I'm probably in the minority in this. I think Jose Ramirez should be the number one overall pick next year. He is the most solid, consistent guy. He's durable. He plays. He plays almost every game. He gives you stolen bases. He gives you power. He hits for. He hits for average. He does everything, and he plays third base, which is which is going to be a little mm. bit shallow. So, why would he not be the number one Trey pick Turner. over? I can see Trey Turner. 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 Turner is but... equally less risky. I, I'd say one, maybe maybe well, your well, 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 listen, Turner this year, injury, people though. drafted Turner. They thought he'd steal 40, 50 bases. He didn't do that. No, he didn't do that. He still gave you 30. What would he give you, 25? I mean, he, 27. 27? Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's the number two player he was the number two player on yeah i like looking at the espn uh player raider my friend tristan cockroft i think your argument i think your argument's right ruvain although i'd say turner is included in the maybe he turns yeah. the number one you know i think Turner's okay so so he's, he's a 1a yeah I, there's there's no reason why he shouldn't be so you're gonna take jose ramirez so ahead safe. of aaron judge yes I I hundred percent will. I think Aaron Judge. This was a career year for him. I, I we, you're going to be overpaying for him. It's like signing a guy to a contract after he had a career year and then has a down year after that. How many times have we seen that? It, it happens to everyone. He is a human being. He is a person. He's a large human being, but he's a human being, and he's susceptible to all these pressures just like everyone, everyone else. Nah, everyone has a down a year. Everyone has. Everyone wait has, a minute. Do, wait okay, a minute. Okay. Do you do you, do you think if he goes? Do you think if he goes to San Francisco or he goes someplace else? Do you think he's going to hit seventy home runs? No. Do you think he's going to earn back no. his value? No, but I think will he earn forty three dollars that you're going to have to pay for him in the auction? With the number two, I mean, if we're, if we're if we're talking about him, like let's do a fifteen-team auction. Uh, not okay? OBP. We're talking batting average, okay? Yeah, batting average, okay, batting. NFBC style, okay. So uh, we're we're at for Jose Ramirez and no, a Trey Turner. I think is a forty-five dollar player going next year, forty-four or forty-five, something like that. I think Judge is forty-three, forty-four. I think that's what he's going to cost you next year. I think that he's not going to give you $63 worth of value, and he's not going to cost you $63 worth of value. And if he does, just don't buy him. But if we equate that, and then I say Jose Ramirez, 42-43, right? That That's one, two, three for me. I, I don't know. Okay, I, I, well, and, I but know. Aaron I'm sorry. Judge. I don't mean to be tough on you on it. Uh, no, 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 and, no. And, no. And, I, and I, I understand Third base that. Is, is good. But, I like that a lot. But, but Aaron, Aaron Judge... Look at these games he's played. 
from 2018 until now, 112, 102 throughout 2020, 148, 157. He played a career high in games this year. Yeah, he okay? did. But the he, last he's, two years, been, and they, but the year and, and, and he's been he, and he's been injured in, in in three out of the last five years. Yeah, I understand. So, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna agree with Ruben on this. I I think I, that uh, I think that Ramirez for the risk concern should probably be not by much should probably be valued a little bit ahead of Judge or I I'll say that I'll say it this way Judge will be overvalued Ramirez could be undervalued if you can think about it that way Okay um, I can I can buy that I can buy yeah. that that so but, but if you're spending $43 on either player you're taking Jose Ramirez both of you are going to take Jose Ramirez over Aaron Judge for $43 Yes stolen stolen bases you get stolen no, you get some stolen more stolen bases, bases are not as far apart as you think my friend I mean mm. How many stolen bases did Ramirez have? Then I'll be happy to tell you what Judge's numbers are. I mean, uh, I mean, you think that he's going to repeat? Judge is going to re repeat it? I have no reason not to think. So, what did? No. Ramirez, how many bases did Ramirez steal? Uh, so Ramirez uh, stole uh, twenty, only twenty bases. Twenty bases. Twenty, 20 bases. bases. And Judge stole sixteen bases. So that's close. I mean, we definitely. But how many uh, runs and RBIs did Ramirez get? Ninety-one runs, one hundred and twenty-six RBIs for Ramirez. One hundred and thirty-three runs with one hundred and thirty-one RBI. Yeah. Oh, there's no question that Judge had the better year, but of course whoa, 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 you can't project but, but, that. But, but wait, wait, wait. What was Ramirez's average? Ramirez batted two eighty. And Judge batted three eleven, and this is obviously silly because we know what Judge hit. But so, how many home runs did Ramirez hit? 29? 29. 29. 62. So if we well, look we know, at the numbers. We well, okay. Right, right. But if you look at the numbers, how are you going to take a guy with 40 less runs, 30 less home runs, 15 less RBIs, four more steals, and 30 lower average points? So you, you're that? telling me that there's going to be no regression in judge next I think year? I think there is So uh, according to – so judge. just to give you uh, – Last point in this discussion about judgment, according to the Zips 2023 projections, Aaron Judge is a 4.8 war player, and Jose Ramirez is a 5.6 expected war player. Is that with defense? That's with defense without stolen bases. So um, it's not. Okay. I mean, it's not a fantasy. Right. It's not a okay. fantasy statistic. Um, right. I, you know, I, so I mean, you, you know, smart fellows. You guys are some. You guys are pretty smart. Pretty smart dudes. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm out here banging the 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 drum for the guy who's gonna be playing right field sure. for your team next year. <laughs> well, you know, but I'll enjoy him. I'll enjoy him till now, till then. <laughs> All right. Um. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, I do want to ask a couple of uh, strategy questions here. What are any waiver wire lessons that you have learned from 2022, Ian? I am more sure that watching film is valuable than ever. I, I just think watch the player play and you'll know what you're getting. And then once you see what you're getting, decide how much he's worth and then go a few dollars over that. That's it. So, but I hate to keep, I don't hate talking about Spencer Strider. Traded for him today with Ron Shannon. A lot of fun. Really happy. Going to love it every day for the next seven years until he gets hurt and then that'll suck. But I, I've talked about this on my show. I talked about it on Rotoware show, but I was looking for a Garrett Whitlock in the Ameri in the National League for my annual only team. And so I'm scouring the box scores, and I see Strider, three innings, six strikeouts, no walks, no hits, no runs. And I went, what the heck is that? And I go to my MLB app on my iPad, and I watch six strikeouts by Spencer Strider, and I go, what the what? That's the best picture I've seen. 
And so I went and got him about a week or two before everyone else. By the way, do you have uh, any potential candidates as the Spencer Strider, Garrett Whitlock type for next year? I, I throw like, uh, I, I remember Chris go Sale. Go to Ruvain first and then, and then <laughs> go, 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 go to Ruvain on that one because I actually did. I just have to remember. I didn't write it. All right. Well, what, do you, what, what are your lessons, Ruvain, from the waiver wire? Okay, now, contrary to everything I said already about the waiver wire, I think I should spend more money earlier on because if you don't – because, because I didn't fill my holes quick enough, and I always lost on the guys that I wanted by by literally like 5 or $10 in a, in a, in a $1,000 Fab League. And you know what? It was not worth it. I needed to spend that little – not go crazy. Not no, go crazy, crazy. Not spend $500 on a player, but spend a little bit more and get that one or two players that could have filled filled in those holes in my team earlier on so my team wasn't trying to play catch-up the whole time. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. You know, Phil Dussault, I stole this from Dussault. I was listening to his – and I was in the main event with Dussault this year. Rob and I were in the – our team was in the main event, so I was playing against him all season. It was awesome to watch him play and also to get to know him a little bit. And I listened to him. I think it was on DiPietro's podcast – think that's where it was. If it's not, I apologize. And he was talking about his fab um, philosophy. Yeah. And he said, I don't want to spend $300 on a player. I would rather spend $30 on 10 players to have 10 of those chances. So like, don't, don't go for the hot girl at the dance. <laughs> we well, that's the, uh, that's the return on investment thing is that you, okay. you, if you have, if you spend 301, you're going to have to have the guy earn 300 of fab. Otherwise you lose money on investment. If you spread your oh risk on 10 different guys, you don't need, a, you only need a few of them to hit and they don't have to hit for that much uh, for you to make up, you know, your, your return. Right. I didn't know that there, that there would be math. But <laughs> that's for anybody who's old enough to get that Chevy Chase joke, uh, imitating Gerald Ford. Uh, I was not told there would be math. I don't exactly right but yes so uh suspend just that there's a trick to it there's a trick to fab it's like figure out what you think it is tell i'll say it now and somebody's gonna hear it and then they'll use it against me and that's okay um figure out what they're gonna spend what is it gonna cost like spencer strider what was he gonna cost all right he's gonna cost 18 dollars out of a thousand in nl only that week and i wanted him so if i if i it was gonna cost i think it was gonna cost 12 in my head so if I want him, I got to go to 18. If I really want him, I'm going to go to 27, just in case somebody else really wants him too. And I think I may have been the only bid that week where someone else put him in for a dollar or something because it's an only league. But that's how you do it. You got yeah. you got to you got to imagine you have to imagine what everyone else is going to do, what they're feeling. And if you want him, go get him. You got to pay the extra bit. Before you tell me you're a Spencer Strider candidate for next year, um, my my lesson in in Fab is, I think that I did not focus enough on looking at the schedule in the next week or two and saying, you know what, let me pick this one up because this guy is going to have a favorable schedule or this guy's playing a lot in Colorado. Didn't maximize my player slots at the bottom, and I I didn't churn enough. Like I had Jonathan Scope in a few leagues and. I needed to churn that spot more. I don't know why I was holding on to him that much. I needed to churn, get guys who were playing more, get guys who were, you know, hitting up in Colorado. I didn't focus enough on that. And I think that, you know, I played with, with Ruvain in, in the NFC auction, and we didn't do great. And we're looking at our offense. I'm like, what the hell? We have Freeman. We had Goldschmidt. We had Acuna. We had Tommy Edmund. What the hell did we do wrong? We're only mid-pack. And it's because all those other guys – um, like our buddy Steve Cozzolino, who won the auction championship, was in that league. They maximized more. Steve. Yeah. 
they maximize more spots. So that's something that I do think that need to pay attention a little bit more. All right, what's your Spencer Strider uh, um, candidate for 2023? Jeez, jeez, jeez. Uh, um, no one. No one's going to be that good. No one. I don't even want to put that out there because Strider, Strider, Strider looked as good as Jose Fernandez looked when Jose Fernandez came up, right? And what have we spent 10 years trying to find the next Jose Fernandez? There's no finding him. He's gone. I don't know that somebody's going to come along and do what Strider did. But I'm I'm totally biased. Guys that might be good. Grayson Rodriguez might be real good. Andrew Painter was ridiculous this year. Really, really good. Um, I like Yuri Perez an awful lot too. I'm, look, I'm going, James Anderson is my prospect guy. Um, and those are the guys that he has high. He also has Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, I may be saying that wrong and I should not. It could be Tiedemann. Um, Kyle Harrison in San Francisco is an interesting pitcher. Taj, Taj Bradley. So I don't like raised pitchers, which is silly because I love Tyler Glass now. Um, but those are, those are the guys that, that could come up. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to come up from the minors. I guess the sleeper is Hunter Green for me. I just love Hunter Green. I think he's dandy. Just dandy. Yeah. You know, Saris was saying that he's a buy-high candidate for next year. That he's going to cost a little bit too much. Why are people overspending? But he might be worth it. His stuff Huge, plus man. model uh, really likes Green. It's, he's, and now, I mean, he's just he's a dominant pitcher. Yeah. But but he'll be expensive. He's going to be expensive. And you got to decide if you're going to put $14, $15. What Jesus Lazardo did this year was so fantastic. It was awesome. And uh, a little tip of the hat to Ariel Cohen. Uh, there was a couple of points at the end of Tout Wars where I was really like, God, i got to figure out a way to uh, pull this off. And I called Ariel for advice often on Sundays. Uh, not often, but but enough. And he's like, oh, I think you definitely should start Jesus Lazardo. I mean, he's been doing really well. And so I did that day. It was it was a touch and go, and then he was brilliant. So it was against the Mets, right? And then yeah. Tyler Walker was pitching the other way. And I was like, do I want both of them? And we get in this really interesting conversation. You ever get the chance to talk to Ariel Cohen? It's fun. Smart guy. Thank you. You drew Ruvain. You drew Ruvain. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. A couple yeah. more strategy questions to, to touch about uh, looking at back at this year and preparing for next year. Everybody was always so preoccupied. Speed, speed, speed. I don't know. I didn't really see it this year. The top guys in speed uh, who came from the first few rounds, Cedric Mullins, Turner, Kyle Tucker, Semyon, Real Muto, Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna. But it was pretty spread out. In the middle, there was a Rosarina, Edmund, Witt, Cabrian Hayes, Yelich, Swanson, Ahmed Rosario, and most of the big top— Why don't you mention Mateo? You just, you just choose not to mention Mateo? Huh? You just choose not to mention Mateo? No, my next point was saying that the— Top, top guys actually did not come from the high rounds. They were John Birdie, Jorge Mateo, uh, Adelise Garcia, Kiner Falefo, Julio Rodriguez was even late, Jake McCarthy nobody even picked, Dylan Moore, who wasn't worth much, but he stole a lot of bases, Michael Harris, Jimenez. What I'm I'm telling you is that the the speed— was actually spread throughout the draft. It wasn't concentrated all that early this past year. If you paid a premium for speed, you did yourself wrong this year because you didn't have to. Oh my God, I needed. Oh my God, I. You didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't do yourself wrong. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, you, you, you you should have gotten premium. You should have gotten stolen bases all throughout your draft. You didn't have to say. 
but there's trading, Ariel. There's trading I, in a lot of leagues, like in the GDD, which I was fortunate enough with Rob Marshak to win this year. I think we had 141 points out of 150, and you came in second with Derek Cardi at 116, Dave Miller in third place. In that league, we built up a huge lead in stolen bases. So then you used, we talked about, you guys talked about this on your show, which was insane. You talked about the trade that Rob and I made where we traded Julio Rodriguez. So getting speed, like never, you can never have too much speed. In NFBC, you can have too much speed, and that's a waste. But but in any league where you can trade, speed is a currency, man. It's right, like it's, well, it, it's, it's yeah. like gold. Yeah, okay. So th- that point at, that if people are willing to trade for speed, then sure, that bumps up speed. But my point, though, was that uh, if you were just looking from a draft perspective, you did not have to pay a huge premium for speed because it was distributed all around. And yes— and the weight. You, uh, Ravine, am I wrong here? But it just feels like you needed to get the Mullins. Part of the reason we had such a big thing is we got Mullins for $22 in that league. And he gave us 30 stolen bases. Or 20, 28, I don't know, something like that. Well, 30. I'm, I'm, a comp- I'm one of the proponents who say don't pay for speed because you can get it later. I've been, I've been preaching that since okay. day one. Right. So I, I've... I've I You can come away from the first couple of rounds. I mean, what if you got Boba Shett and you said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to get speed from him. Now what? I mean, Bobachet didn't steal that many bases this year, and and that that was a big down downer for a lot of people who had him because he said, "Oh, he's going to be a guy. He's gonna, he may go thirty twenty. He can go twenty twenty or something like that." He didn't do that, mm-hmm. and if you're expecting those stolen bases out of him, or you're, you know, or you're relying higher up and and saying, "Oh yeah, Trey Turner's going to like I mentioned before, Trey Turner's going to get your forty, fifty, st- even sixty stolen bases," and you didn't get that, and you planned your whole draft around that, mm-hmm. then you're screwed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get, I, I, I hear, I hear what you're, you're saying there, um, but at the same time, you got to go find those guys later in drafts. It's just the, the, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I, oh, this is what I was gonna say. The fab. What I was saying about fab is the same way I personally think about speed. If I think you need 110 stolen bases to win the league, I'm shooting for 120 because there's gonna be somebody who's gonna drop below, and I'm telling you. You can always trade speed in August. Yeah, or July. you can you can trade speed. And you it's can worth trade, a lot. You, you can trade closers also. So there, uh, having an, worth a lot. Yeah, having an excess of saves is always okay because then you can you can trade it. But again, yes. the yes. Yeah, so if you're playing that strategy, then sure. But assuming there's not, you know, oh my god, I can always trade. Some leagues are tough to trade with. Some high money leagues you can't trade at all. Uh, assuming you know we're not relying on trades here. There was more parity up and down the draft than you. think think fair, fair that, point, fair that you point. didn't have to overpay. Now, again, you can't go out of the first 10 rounds and say, well, I don't have any speed. I'll get my speed later. No, no, no. You have to get your speed all over the board is what I'm saying. You do not have to push up specifically speed. But who else was pushed up? I mean, how, how high do you push up Bobby Wood Jr. now? He he put up, what, 28, 30, something like that? 30s. He, had, he had 30 stolen bases. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, going so to have a value next year, but don't overpay the premium just because he has the Well, where do you take him? But I'm asking you, like, let's use an auction value on Bobby Witt Jr. Hard, hard to know because I haven't done projections for next year. But, you know, obviously the, a, a projection of 25, 30 stolen bases is going to factor very high. He, he could be 28 a 28 home runs. Yeah, he might be a second, third round projection. Maybe he'll be He's second round. He's going like 13, 14. Yeah, well, so he might here, be. Here's, here's a better question. Who do you take first, Ronald Acuna Jr. or J-Rod or Julio Rodriguez? Wow, that's R- risk factor, injury factor. Uh, it's wow. it's that's a hard wow. question. That's a really hard question. It's uh, they're basically it's the Hulu. same player. They're basically this, and I'm I'm expecting. Acuna said his his knee's still bothering him, and I and I kind of hear that he's gonna have a whole 
normal offseason after the playoffs are done. And I think he's going to be back to the player he was before. Yeah, but you I mean, said that he was going to be fine in May, and he wasn't quite fine in May. No, 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 no. I said he's going to be playing in May, but he may not get the stolen bases until later, which right, I was that's wrong. That's right. I apologize. Which, which I was wrong. He, he got the stolen bases early. That may have aggravated his knee issue, yeah. which is why he was going to be in the end. He should have taken it easy with the stolen bases earlier and then pushed it, put on the you know, push the gas later on that. Because you're the doctor, you know. Guys, guys, if you're listening to the show, because I didn't know this until, like, I found this out. Ruvain's like a doctor doctor. I guess you would know that because we talked the injury report and everything. But he really is. Like, he helped my kid when my kid hurt his back. Like, yes, he does not just know. he does not play one on TV. He, he, does, not, he does not just injury guru on online. Like, he's actually the doctor who says, well, this is what's going on with your knee. And this is what's going on with your back. And this yeah. is what's going on with your Well, hands. I mean, that's but that's, you know, that's one of his strengths. And I know. know it's great. It, it, just of course. People. Yeah, yeah. You should know. Ruvain, and I've had, I've had people in my office who have played with Bartolo Colon, who know him, who speak to him i actually had a former i I can't say because of hipaa reasons but i've had a former mvp of the national league come into my office get out so i i I can't say who it is but i've seen them they 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 showed me some some hardware so i i know and i recognize him from his baseball card so i i actually i really see this stuff and i think that acuna will be a hundred percent my question is going to be of the three you take acuna jayrod or tatis I think Tatis goes third. Oh, Tatis, Tatis I'm not touching 15. with him. Well, first of all, you're not, not, touch, you're not touching Tatis. You well, can't take no. the step. Well, for, well, well first of all, he's going to miss gonna time. So you're yeah, going to have to miss the first yeah. 40 games. But but aside from that, I don't want any of that risk. I mean, there's a chance he won't play this whole season because he'll I'll end up. I'll go $22 uh, on Fernandez Hesse's Jr. I'll do $22 right now. I won't do I won't do anything that that matters because somebody will take him before me. Uh, I don't want anything to do with him. It's the risk of I don't know what, what is he going to do skydiving and injure himself. I I mean who the heck knows wrong. who knows what he's going to do. Uh, he actually could, yeah that which goes back to what you were saying earlier about just avoid the risk completely. And but but Ravine's right. I mean he's not a first round second round third round fourth round fifth round. Maybe fifth round. We know the talent we, is, but oh, but but uh, but you have to discount it for the risk. It just yeah, you do you it, really it, a do. lot. And and with I him, was so was, wrong on Buxton. I was and and you talked me out of it. You talked me out of Buxton at sixteen. I really was considering him at sixteen. Yeah. If only if because I didn't want Walker Bueller. Remember, I was like, I'm not taking a pitcher. I'm not taking him. We're not. Rob and I are. We are not taking a pitcher here. There's just no way. So it was like, what do we do if? All the pitchers fall, and we can't get Betts, Devers, which is how we started. We started Devers, Betts, and then we took Mullins in the third and Judge in the fourth, like which was the base of the main yeah. team. There's right a there. one fantasy expert. I won't say his name, but he was like, you know, uh, you have him projected for 270. That guy, I bet a million dollars he'll bat no less than 278. You should be betting your whole thing. What kind of projection? 270. Of course, Buxton hit 224. But, um, I mean, the risk there. That is, guy does. Uh, I know that guy, and he doesn't sound like that. Well, he doesn't sound like that. I actually don't know that guy. I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just. Well, even, even being the injury expert, I took Byron Buxton in a league this year. I took a natural in TGFBR because I did, I tried to do a whole new strategy where I said, you know what? This is the year he's going to do well. And that league, I also took pocket aces, which I wanted, to, I happened to, the value fell to me. So I just decided to try it. Who'd you start so with? I started with Cole and Scherzer. 15, 16, 14, 17? No, no. So like six or seven. Six and um, I had the six picks, so six and whatever is on the way back. Oh, yeah. I just can't. I just can't with that guy. All right, a uh, couple of more strategy questions, and then we'll let you go here. But uh, we we uh, we touched on the on the closers already. But I do want to talk about 
uh, catchers um, are, you know, we actually saw pretty good value. I mean, the the pockets of the best value for catchers this year was catchers two to five, the twelve to twenty dollar catchers. We're talking Real Muto, Will Smith, Wilson Contreras, Dalton Varsho. Those were huge, huge, huge wins. Um, and then there was the ones to about three to five dollars. Uh, Kirk, Christian Vasquez, Elias Diaz, Travis Darno, even Gary Sanchez uh, returned par value. Um, was not worth going to one dollar catchers by and large. Um, it, it's worth paying up, of course, again, if they stay healthy because of the replacement value, because of the, sorry, because of these position scarcity of catcher, especially in, in two, ca- in, in two catcher leagues we're talking about, it's worth it. One catcher league, um, and I, I'm not sure that I would overpay for anything because you can churn at the bottom, but in two catcher leagues, I do believe that might be worth paying the extra buck and getting a catch a little bit earlier than you think not to go down to having crappy ones at the bottom. Agree or disagree, Ian? Agreed. Ruben? I agree, and I think that there is now a bigger one tier. It used to be just Real Muto and Perez, and Sal Perez. I think that tier includes forts, Will Smith and Dalton Varshall, because they bring different variety to the catcher position. You get the stolen bases with Varshall. You get the uh, and, and outfield eligibility. You get Will Smith, who's now playing more often and not in a platoon, and you get more out of him. So I think those four guys, I think if you get one of those four guys, and then you don't have to worry about catcher because those guys will play perfectly fine, and I think that's the top tier for next year. I don't think the, the break next year is going to be like JT Rimoto for $25. Salvador Perez is going to be like probably next year, I'd say close to $22. And you can say Var- uh, Varsha will go for 18 19 even $20 because of the stolen bases. And Will Smith will go for 18 90 So I think that's the top tier. Once you, dr- once you drop beyond that, then you can get a bargain so you can go later. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the way it's going to fall out next year. If you're paying over an $18 equivalent or round equivalent, then you're going to get into bad territory with return on investment. But something around 12 to 20 that seems a little bit overpriced probably isn't uh, because of that. Uh, next question is aces. Um, are you buying aces? I know so many people who are, got to get an ace, got to get someone in the first two rounds, push up pitching, and uh, obviously there's the pocket aces strategy, which I think is a big no-no. Um, the question is, are aces worth buying? If not, when do you think you need to buy your pitching? Uh, start with you, Ian. I like uh, what we did in the main event was we waited till the fifth, sixth turn, and we got Logan Webb and you Darvish. And then we waited longer and got Joe Ryan and Jordan Montgomery. Um, got our closers, got some more guys, and then waved the wire. Waved the wire. Come on now. It's decent. We waved the wire and got our guys that we've been talking about all night. So um, I don't I, – I, at least this year – this year we picked 15. I don't think we're going to pick 15 again. Maybe eight would be nice, or even one might be nice. Um, but at 15, 16, didn't want a pitcher. If a, the right pitcher fell to the 3-4, we would have considered if uh, Mullen's judge wasn't there. But at that point, 5-6 had to grab and was overall happy with what we got from that spot overall. Definitely Darvish. Logan Webb was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, bit, 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 bit of a disappointment. Not quite as good as we would have hoped. But, yeah, I agree. You know. I think that range of pricing was really ideal. Uh, auction equivalent. 18 to $25, I think, was the spot. We're talking pitchers 
11 to 20. That's really the spot where Alcantara went, Joe Musgrove went, Radon, mm-hmm. even Verlander was in that range, and, and that was a huge gain. Max Fried, Julio Urias, that whole range produced a well above average of value. I remember in, in GDD that we played against, and we, we had a good year too. We finished in second. Congrats, you know, you, you finished in first. Uh, but we had Aaron Nola, who felt us at 23. That's, uh, again, in that range. Zach Wheeler, 21. Carlos Rodon, 17. We triple hit that range, and those were a good, successful trio. And I know sometimes pitchers are more expensive. It, it's whoever falls in that range, right? Don't get married to the player, I think. I would say look for the range. And obviously, if you have a player that you think is worth higher than projections, say, obviously adjust that. But, you know, get used to playing the right space. Get used to playing the right quantity um, where you think the greatest return investment is. And I think that I think it's going to continue for next year. I think paying for high for aces first, second round are not as, uh, uh, not as good as investment. I think that you're going to get a higher bang for your buck by getting ri- not risky hitters in the first couple of rounds. Get your base and then throw those pitching guys right in those fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And that's really the way to build up your base. Unless approach. it falls crazy anything can change anything can change change. and especially in an auction strategy like if you've got a pitcher if you got corbin burns for 36 dollars and he's showing up there for 31 dollars, you buy that oh no doubt no doubt you have to be able to adjust on the fly for what goes on i was not looking to get machado freeman bets that that that's not how i play i don't play quote stars and scrubs even though i I didn't i only have one one dollar player on that team which i think is valuable i think one dollar players are dangerous to have in your team um but 33, 37, 35, spending that amount of money, it was all of them were five to six dollars more in an only league. Um, so pitching, that's that's the only time I'm gonna grab pitching is if it's just like, wow, okay, Corbin Burns, you're at 16. I think I might have to consider that because I like Corbin Burns. And that's where the player does matter too. Like it's not just the numbers. You gotta like the player, I believe. And of the top 20 ADP pitchers from this year. Two of them really did not pan out. Only two of the top 20, Giolito and Jose Barrios. I don't know why he was going that high, but that's what he was. And five of the top 20 ADP had injury issues, which is why they didn't pan out. So if you think about that, 13 out of the top 20 ADP ADP pitchers didn't hurt you. Okay, they may not have gotten you a great return on investment, but they didn't <coughs> hurt you. You you weren't you, they weren't blowing up on you. It wasn't it wasn't an issue. So if you think about that, thirteen out of twenty people, that's a sixty five percent chance of hitting on a top pitcher in that in that range. The eleven to twenty, like you said, Iro, that's that's the sweet spot. That's the spot where you can get a guy for this year. a quote unquote little uh, discount. I'm sorry. It was this year. It was this yes, year. It, this it, year it was. It, it's it was going to be this different year. Last year, year uh, last year, I believe it was even later. The 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 middle guys were, were were worth more because a lot of the guys came out of nowhere, and and that and that's how it turned out. So every year is going to be different. But injury wise, you didn't have as many injuries to the top pitchers. So it, it was, or the pitchers were injured to begin with, and they came in. Whatever it may be, like uh, Lance Lynn was actually who was the twentieth ADP last uh, last year, but he was on the injured list. Degrom started on the injured list, and you know there are a couple people who were injured, but and 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 you didn't get your your value because um, 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 Walker Bueller got injured, so you don't get the value there. So those three guys right there, those three of the five guys who are the top twenty who were injured, you didn't get the value there. But otherwise, you're not killing yourself. But you shouldn't have to wait. You shouldn't have to wait past the top twenty. You can get one of those top guys, get a 1A, and then you'll be perfectly fine. Buck up on the hitting early, get the 1A pitcher in around 3 or 4 or even 5, do it that way, and you're good to go.
and and the market's going to change every year. I mean, a couple of years yes. ago, I wrote an article. It was one of my articles that helped me win Writer of the Year. Oh, boop, boop. I'm sorry. Boop, boop, boop. Just okay. gave you a little. Boop, boop, boop. You won the. Oh, thank you for the, the uh, thank you for the uh, yeah. music. Yes, thank you. Yeah, there you go. Um, little, little <laughs> trumpets. <laughs> um, well, I was saying that I wrote an article called "The Case for an Ace," saying that you know what was the most successful pitching strategy, which this is what I did, and I won a lot of leagues this way. Get that ace. Spend thirty dollars. It was unheard of before then. But get that ace. Get the when Madison Bumgarner. Get that Kershaw back then. Uh, and uh, that was really the way to go. It's going to change every year. But um, Glenn Colton and Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf have been saying get the ace for years. And I, I, I like not this I year like though. It, if you did that this year, it was not the right I, investment. No, I didn't. I didn't. I like I said five six. But going for that second. Well, we we've discussed it. Yeah. We've discussed it. We're on our last question of the night. You know, last, uh, the last general question is is just uh, um, anything else that you think you learned from this year or uh, either maybe a success or a failure that you did or something. I failed in TGFBI. I just couldn't get it going. I just And I tried. I never quit. We ended up 7th, 15. That's t- really remarkable. <laughs> it was just like, all right, humble us. Go ahead. Just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be, couldn't get over the top. Really happy on the Devils Rejects League. Uh, finally won the championship. It was my, my third year in that league, and it sucked because I was like, just couldn't get over the top, and then we got over the top. It was a good year. This is a good year. It was a really good, fun year. A uh, lot of good learning. Um, really developed a, a new philosophy, which I talk about on Under the Radar. If you if you want to listen Under the Radar, it's uh, it's me yapping and Dirk, but the really smart Dirk Grand Riper's there too. And the awesomely funny and brilliant Nando DeFino. And, and we really talk about a lot of the stuff we talked about today. So we're on the Wednesday on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball feed. And you can go back and listen to shows. Ariel, you want to give my show, give, give the show a plug? Because you did more guest spots this year on that show than anybody did. Yeah, thanks for having me on, on the show there. Definitely a terrific show worth listening to. Uh, they do some strategy. They do undervalued players. That's something that we don't do as much on this show, but like the real remote players that come up, and it's called Under the Radar for a reason. Very good Bubba show. Thompson. But yeah. yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Those guys, very, very entertaining show and uh, great information. Uh, you'll have a good time. Definitely check it out on the Athletic. Uh, Gotta podcast. have you on, Ruvain. Gonna have to have you on one time, Ruvain. I'm, I'm good to go. I, I, I can, I can go through all the prospect injuries because I know you're gonna look at that because I have, I have a bunch of ready waiting for even this show. There are so many prospect injuries, they just keep piling up. Ruvain, why don't you do the uh, injury report now? Sure. Perfect. I'll go right into it. We'll start with Robert Hassel. He actually fractured his wrist in Arizona. He's playing there. He broke his hammy bone in his right wrist. He's going to miss the remainder of the Arizona Fall League. He's a 20-year-old prospect. So the Nets was after the big trade for Juan Soto. He's going to require surgery and be out six to eight weeks, but he should still be ready for opening day. He's a guy to keep on your radar for next year, possibly because the Nationals have nothing to lose and they may bring him up mid-season. Midseason is right. Wait, I have a question. I'm going to interrupt your injury report because I want sure. to ask Ariel Cohen a question. What do you think of Robert Hassel? I think Robert Hassel is a player that can contribute immediately. Okay. Robert Hassel is very important. Top top 17 prospect. Some people have him a little lower 20. Had, had a real jump. He was around 5 or 6. Um, great speed. Great hit tool the other way. Power the other way. 
I think he's really undervalued. And the reason I want to interrupt is I want to ask you, Ruvain, do you think Robert Hassel, when they say, I, I saw the same report that he was going to be okay. Steve Gardner, we own him in the league XFL. And um, Steve Gardner wrote, uh-oh, to me. And I said, yeah, but he says he's going to be back for spring training. Is he really going to be back and ready to go? Because if he is, you're right. There, there is a spot for him in Washington that's going to be there for him for a good long time, as long as he, I think he will, and I think he will. He's a beautiful athlete. Kind of like Kyle Tucker-ish, actually, if you think about it. I just well, made that comp. I could be dead wrong, but that was a, watching, I watched I watched him today. I watched Robert Hassel at a little break, and I was watching uh, film on Hassel. I was very, very impressed. But I, I did want to ask you, as the fantasy baseball injury guru that you are, um, what is what is the prognosis to come back from this injury? Well, I think he could be ready for spring training, but look what the Nationals did with Mackenzie Gore. They took him very slowly. They're not winning this okay. year. They want him no. to be ready by the end of the year to see what they have toward the end of the year. So I think he will be ready, but they're going to take it really slow. It, listen, if, if they had a good team and they were going to compete, they're in the National League East. They need a lot of pieces to be able to compete with the Braves and the Mets. Even the Phillies who are in the playoffs, even the Marlins who have a great pitching staff. The Nationals are still a little bit away, so they're not going to rush him, which means he's not going to be up April, May. They'll Definitely. keep him in the minors. I can maybe see an end of June for him coming up just because he, he he's just one of the top guys, and they want to see what they have because uh, why would you do that if, if you're trading Juan Soto? You want to see what prospects you have and what better place to learn than on the major league level. I mean, that that's my opinion on him. And because they took their time with Mackenzie Gore and they showed patience with him, they didn't let him pitch that much down the stretch because they're the prize uh, guys that they got from the Juan Soto trade. If they if these guys don't pan out, they're going to look like idiots trading Juan Soto. And and speed plays uh, often earlier in rookies' prospects than some of the power stuff. So, um, you know, you can see that playing into, into effect quicker than you think. Yes, 100%. Another guy. That we're gonna, I'm going to mention is Sixto Sanchez. He had surgery for his right shoulder October 5th. Um, he underwent also so shoulder surgery in July of 2021. Started going, got a, an injection in August. They had to shut him down. He is expected to be ready in time for spring training, but this guy already, I, I don't know how much we want to put into him because he's had two shoulder surgeries already in two years. I mean, he's still a prospect. Maybe you'll get something out of him, but we'll see. But also, I mention... the Marlins don't wait, wait. The Marlins don't like him that much. He doesn't work. From what I have gathered, because I as a, this is a dead wrong Ian Tom dead wrong section right here, which is that I, I, I was really big on Sixto Sanchez coming into this season. In in one of my like one of our early NFBCs, uh, like that we did in November of last year, I think I took him as like the sixth star. Rob and I took him as like a sixth starter or something. And that was on me. I was like, no, he's going to be the thing. And he was definitely not the thing. And just got the feeling that he, uh, I just have this memory of the Marlins not being happy with his um, work ethic. I, I think I think with, it was work ethic. I saw some videos of him throwing this past year. He did not look comfortable. He did not look good. It looked like he was he was all out of sync. He did not look like the prospect that they traded for. I mean, t top, top prospect. He was the big piece in the J one of the big pieces, probably the, the big piece in the, in the Real Mudo trade. Right. And here's what I would say. If you own Sixto Sanchez in a dynasty league and you can get 50 cents on the dollar for him right now, do it. Like a second round pick, do it. You might want to do that. You might want to do that because it's, it's Farce Whitley all over. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, I think that's something. The, that's the comp. Okay, good. Call. And I'll take it. One more, one more prospect that I wanted to mention about Brandon injuries. Davis. 
Drew Jones. Yeah. Drew Jones had yeah. surgery on his left shoulder earlier this year. He was the number two overall pick this past year. He's not going to debut. It's his non-throwing shoulder, so that's good. And he's still only 18 years old, but he should have full clearance to play starting in spring training. Another guy who had a shoulder surgery, Braylon Marquez. I think Braylon Marquez, he underwent Braylon. shoulder surgery in June. It cost him all of 2021 as well, the same shoulder injury. There's no timeline for his return yet, but those are some prospects just to keep in the back of your mind. If you hear any news about them, good or bad, that's, these, are, these are some names you should know. All right. Well, that is brings us to the end of the show. Um, wanted to thank special guest Ian Khan for coming on to the show this guys, year. Guys, thank you. I really, really thank you. You know, this is my last show this season. We're going to start back up on Under the Radar um, sometime in November. But go back and listen to old shows. They're pretty good. People like it. Um, but uh, it's a real it's a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on and, uh, and talking the game with you guys. It's, it's really fun. And uh, I appreciate you both. Absolutely. Um, cool. Uh, Ruvain, uh, why don't you just uh, tell us what's going on with you? Well, my weekly Rotoballer article is done for the year. It'll start again beginning of next year, hopefully. Um, but you can continue to follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where we'll continue to send out updates on injured players, surgeries that for injuries that players didn't tell us about this last season. You'll hear all about them and more. Well, I'm Ariel Cohen. Right for Fangraphs, right for Rotoballer. And you can follow me on Twitter at ATC and Y. And of course, you can listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast. Can I add one thing? Ariel, I'm sorry to interrupt your flow, but yeah. I want to just say if you want to follow me on Twitter, don't follow me at Ian Khan. That's with without the four at the end of it. Because that's not that's not my fantasy baseball account. Ian Khan four is my fantasy baseball account. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, cool. Definitely follow Ian Khan. Good follow. Uh, the baseball one, not the actor one, as Ian just told you. Although uh, you do great acting, so maybe follow that one also. Nah, just do the Ian Khan for That's what you're looking for. All right, just do what he says. Uh, our next show will be live at First Pitch Arizona. Hey. I'll be there live. Uh, we're going to do a show. going to have a nice audience. If you uh, have never been to First Pitch Arizona, it's a really great baseball conference, fantasy baseball conference. We see games at the AFL. There's going to be the Home Run Derby. There's going to be the All-Star game, the Fall Stars game there. C amazing conference panels by everyone. Uh, I'm also doing a, a panel, uh, at least another panel, on doing Excel tips and tricks on how to do some mathematics of fantasy baseball with Excel. So going to show you how to do some of the, the valuations and stuff. Definitely worthwhile. Uh, wait, wait. And also, you may very well. I, as of now, I have tickets to fly to Arizona, and I'm trying to go. I'm just trying to figure out a way to make it work with work. But if I don't go, Ariel Cohen will be sitting in for Steve Gardner and Ian Kahn, the Steve Gardner and Ian Kahn team in the XFL, and doing the auction. And I'm very grateful to him for that and couldn't be in better hands as far as I'm concerned. And uh, Ariel and I are going to be doing lots of prep between now and uh, November 1st, right? Yeah. Well, I'm honored that you asked me. I do hope that you get the opportunity to go and draft yourself. But I'll be there either way, ready to be in action if needed. And, yeah, come check us out. Come check the pot out. Come check the uh, sessions out. Come check out everything. And just hanging out with people from the industry fans all over, people who play the game, NFBC people, home league people, just a great experience. So come on in there, check that out, presented by Baseball HQ. Sign up there for more information. Ray Murphy. Ray Murphy. Ray Murphy, Brent Hershey, bunch of good guys. I spoke to them today, so uh, really good guys. Look at you. 
Yeah. All right. Well, again, that's the end of the show. Again, thank you to Ian Khan for joining us. And uh, we'll be back with the live episode. Hey, it's the season may be over, but as you know, we do a lot of prep in the offseason. So stay tuned right here on the Beat the Shift podcast. Check us out for more episodes. We'll be doing sporadic throughout the offseason uh, following the live one at the end of this month. All right, once again, for Ruvain and I and the rest of the Beat the Shift podcast, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.